0: There's nothing worse than watching a great wrestling match. The action is rolling, and then all of a sudden, you get interrupted with a commercial break. And the same could be true when you're listening to your favorite podcast. But now you don't have to worry about those annoying ad breaks anymore with Stitcher Premium. Stitcher Premium is the home to some of the biggest names in podcasting, including this one that you're listening to right now, Talking Taker. But in addition to that, they have all the big guns, too. Everything from sports to comedy to true crime you can find over on Stitcher Premium, including exclusive podcasts, bonus episodes, full archives of some of the biggest names in podcasting. And best of all, it's all ad-free. And you can get a free trial of Stitcher Premium right now for a full month by going to stitcher.com premium and entering the code talking taker that's all one word talking taker that'll get you a free month of everything that stitcher premium has to offer after that it's only 4 dollars a month for their incredible vast podcast archives so go ahead over there right now stitcher.com slash premium Enter in the code TALKING TAKER, that's all one word, TALKING TAKER, to start your free month of listening
1: ad-free.
0: Creatures of the Night! Welcome to episode 111 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow Creature of the Night the all-American, American, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, you know, it's it's 2019 right now, and, and the big buzzword, everybody's talking about this whole cancel culture, and how it's just this big problem in America right now. But, dude, i tell you what, you go back to 2005, and... We're talking about maybe the first victim of cancel culture, Muhammad Hassan, because he's about to get canceled right here at Great American Bash, courtesy of The Undertaker.
2: Exactly. Oh, here we are, here we are, here we are. Sorry. I don't know if you uh, do I don't know what that means. That's just a song. That's the theme song. I wasn't mocking anything. That's a the theme song. I'll never forget that song.
0: No, so, never. That song's
2: being canceled. It's probably off of the... Uh... Probably not even on Spotify anymore. <laughs> He's not even on the network. We'll get to that. Oh I know, it's
0: wild. His man, name's
2: probably. not even on there. So it yeah. is so crazy. We Can did- you imagine if Twitter was around back then?
0: Ooh, yeah. It would not have be good.
2: He would have been cancelled that evening. WWE would have been
0: canceled. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite the incredible time, quite the incredible storyline, and we're gonna relive All of it here on this episode of Talking Taker. You know, it's wild. We're talking about 2005 right now, and Undertaker's had four different opponents in 2005. One of them ended up being a 15-time World Heavyweight Champion, and the other three did not make it past the end of 2005, (laughs) including the guy we're talking about tonight, who goes out in an incredible, incredible blaze of failure. (laughs)
2: this Oh, man. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's crazy. That's one of the cool things you said last week and we said it before about one of the reasons we have The Undertaker as the, you know, object of this podcast. There's so many, so many ones pop off the screen that, you know, matches people know you're going to cover in classics like Hell in a Cell and Foley and Michaels and Triple H and blah, blah, blah. But then there's these, you know, they're just, they're fun to talk about. They're fun to go back and watch. They're, mind-numbing, but they're fun to discover and talk about again, because some of the forgotten gems, or just forgotten turds, whichever. <laughs> <laughs> they're just forgotten. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and this one is interesting. Obviously, Great American Bash 2005, Undertaker versus Muhammad Hassan, and I feel like in the past few years... Muhammad Hassan has kind of – there's been a whole crowd of people that say he was misunderstood or that it was a gimmick and a wrestler ahead of its time and all this sort of stuff. And Actually, if you go back on YouTube, I was looking at some clips of stuff. If you read the comments on some of his clips, there's so many people saying that he got screwed over and, and man, he should have become the world champion back at this time. So that's one of the things we do here on this podcast too is we revisit this stuff. We We try to – take our biases and our memories out of it and try to look at it with a fresh perspective to see if maybe that is the case here and uh, it's going to be interesting to look back at this whole storyline I mean you could say one of the absolute most controversial moments in WWE history we're going to talk about on this episode Travis to see if it really holds up if there was too much if it was over the line or if it was actually brilliant I don't know it's going to be
2: interesting. Yeah, it's, without question, one of the most um, controversial. So, for all the wrong reasons that you don't want to be controversial. But I guess, (laughs) hey, I mean, you know, what's the old saying about uh, bad publicity is still publicity, you know? So, you know, whatever. But, yeah, this would not fly even nothing. You can't even get close to the end of the line with this one, like, in this day and age. Like, it wouldn't even, yeah, not going to work. Not going to work. But let's go visit the Great American Bash 2005
0: Let's do it, man. Let's take our time traveling hearse on a magic carpet ride back to yeah. 2005. <laughs> hey, he comes out on
2: a freaking <laughs> he does. magic carpet. I, I just watched up. Aladdin with my son's this weekend. <laughs> uh, the new one? Yeah, the live uh, one. Uh, thoughts? Uh, I say watch. That's all part of it. They were. Uh, I was uh, h- hanging out with their sister while <laughs> they were watching it. Mm, so It was okay. okay. My oldest likes it better than the cartoon. That's blasphemous, but he likes it better. <laughs> he's only six; he doesn't know better.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it was fine. Right. It was fine. Will All Smith,
2: know right. Robin Williams, but certainly he's dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving on.
0: And so is this
2: character. Career. So, yeah.
0: yeah, we're gonna take it back to. Uh, where we last left off, that would be WrestleMania 21, Undertaker and Randy Orton, and a career that would not be dead. That would only just be getting started there. Despite the loss to the Undertaker, Randy Orton would go on to have a heck of a career, and he's going to be the focus of our podcast for the next few weeks after tonight, yeah, the of rest course. Of this year, basically. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll get to that. But first, we get this major speed bump. Um, but before we get to that. The Undertaker, you know, he's, he's worked so hard the first few months of the year, had that epic WrestleMania match, and as he is wont to do, he's going to cash in on a couple months of uh, PTO <laughs> here. <laughs> Signature move that he's kicking off here. Uh, it takes the next two months off, basically.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, man. So yeah, we just ended at WrestleMania, which was, I think, April 3rd, right? And we're not going to pick back up here until the beginning of June. So we got <laughs> two, two months, man taggers just vanished you know game he saw he conquered Vinny Viti vici he's gone
0: <laughs> but obviously a lot is going to continue to happen and change yeah. in the wwe and number one is going to be the draft that's going to be the big storyline going on in the months after wrestlemania and this year's draft is going to be a different one than the past few years and it's going to be I'm pretty sure they only use this format really just one time that I remember. Yeah, I think it's sort so. Sort of a draft yeah. that takes place over about five or six weeks here, with with different picks being made, uh, quote unquote picks. Uh, we'll right. Talk about the this whole weird nature of this draft as we go along, but uh, one or two superstars are going to switch every other show, basically.
2: Yeah, Vince comes out and. Uh in april and it's like you know we're gonna have a new drafts gonna take place in the month of may and then he comes out in may and says a new drafts gonna take place in june over the whole month of june every every show someone's gonna be drafted and doesn't really give the like you know minutiae of it like he's usually does he beats you over the head with the small things but this time he's just like it's gonna happen i promise in june so yeah but um, also in June, uh, this will be the first um, ECW one-night stand pay-per-view um, at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And, dude, love the show. Love it. One of the best Taker's shows there, of all time. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's
0: not there. Uh, I do think we need to do a, a special ECW episode eventually and talk about Undertaker's two matches he had in the WWE sci-fi on Brand, the ECW, yeah. yeah, and talk about our experience at – December to Dismember. I think that'd be a fun bonus show sure. to do, but he is not on either one night stand pay-per-view, but yeah, that original one, especially the second one was still really fun too, but that original one, you know, especially if you had any connection to the real ECW was, was a pretty special night, right? Pretty special pay-per-view. Uh, definitely remember, picking up the DVD of that one and rewatching oh, it yeah. it being a very special part of the the DVD collection back in the day.
2: Oh yeah. I remember I remember when you bought it cuz we watched it together after that and I know that uh I couldn't remember if we had watched it together live or not but I do remember watching it with you so good stuff. I've re- I've been a little frustrated with the raw Smackdown involvement in it but it uh is what it is. It made sense. It has to play in the Vince's scheme and his game plan. But anyway, sure. That'll take us on to uh, actually get talking about Great American Bash here.
0: Yeah, so just a couple things to note during this whole draft that's going on here. Obviously, the big moment in this draft that everyone remembers takes place on Raw, June 6, 2005, when the SmackDown champion, the WWE champion, John Cena, gets drafted to Raw unexpectedly. Just That always kind of goes on the... Especially when WWE makes a list of their top 10 most shocking moments. They usually put that one on there. And it was pretty crazy at the time. And again, this was a draft that didn't make a lot of sense to me as a fan. Because it wasn't the general managers making picks. There was never really an explanation to how these Mm -mm. picks got made. No, nothing. Was someone making these picks? Were they random? How did this all happen? But somehow John Cena ended up on Raw showing up. During Chris Jericho's highlight reel, and it was like, oh, the two champions are both on Raw. How, what, what's SmackDown gonna do? How are they gonna have a champion? Yeah. <laughs> and that's gonna play a big part in this storyline as well. But yeah, just pretty wild, pretty crazy moment, and the beginning of a huge run for John Cena as they kind of make him the star of the A show right here.
2: Oh yeah, I will never forget that moment. It was awesome, and again, it was was fun, like you said, because Batista's still there, continuing. He fights Triple H from. What? He fights him at Mania, he fights him at Judgment Day, and then mm-hmm. something else. Like, I don't know, he fights him three months in a row and beats him clean all three months. So it was just weird having the champion, both champions there. And also on the uh, next SmackDown on Ju- uh, June 9th, that's when Benoit shows up on SmackDown as the first draft pick from Raw. So he'll kind of play into this build up here as well. So just wanted to, to throw that out there.
0: Well, the next week... Again, is-
2: who picked him? We don't know. He's just the first draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's there.
0: <laughs> I kind of didn't like all this stuff because, yeah, it didn't have a whole lot of logic to Who, who how were these picks getting made. They <laughs> they weren't really clear on that. Yeah. And they act like someone is making these picks behind the scenes, but there's no real <laughs> rhyme or reason to any of it. But And that's kind of... That's sort of how the draft's going to go for a long time in the future with the draft lottery, and it's just mm-hmm. random guys going to different places. It doesn't make a lot of sense. but
2: It's better than the wildcard rule.
0: It is better than the <laughs> wildcard rule, and it <laughs> provides some drama and excitement uh, as we see some of that here on SmackDown, June sixteenth two 2005, as we kick The Undertaker storyline into gear after new draft pick Chris Benoit goes one-on-one with Doug Basham, uh, a match <laughs> I don't ever need to see.
2: Uh, the, well, you wouldn't know it's there because all it says is Doug Basham in a singles match. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Good
0: point. Good point. The uh, cabinet come in. JBL's cabinet come in and attack the Crippler, and they get interrupted by making his return after two months, all fresh and tan and rested up. The <laughs> King of Gong style, the Undertaker, and he comes in, cleans house on the cabinet. He's full of energy. And JBL gets on the mic and asks Taker, who do you think you are to be interrupting me tonight? And then Teddy Long comes in and says, he's the man who's going to be facing you in the main event tonight.
1: Because tonight, player, right here in Hersey, Pennsylvania, it will be JBL one-on-one with the Undertaker in a no disqualification
2: <laughs> oh, it's so It's so good to hear that.
0: It's so good. <laughs> Every time.
2: Been two months since we heard that. Oh yeah,
0: and it's good to see Undertaker back. They have there in the main event. And dude, did you love this match as much as I did, Undertaker and JBL on this episode of SmackDown?
2: I liked it a lot, man. It was an oh, no DQ man. match. They could, they have some, you know, they kind of had the chains off and they could do some stuff outside. So yeah, it was. I tell you what, man, these guys had great chemistry together. I just, again, you and I didn't know because we didn't watch any of this stuff because yeah. we hated JBL. But it's been so refreshing to go back and watch this and see how. He and Taker have great chemistry, man. Really fun.
0: I was very shocked and impressed with this match. It goes through a commercial break. It's very long, very solid. The crowd's into it. They're chanting for Taker. There's near falls. A lot of great action in this match. Maybe even better than, what was it, No Mercy Uh, a while ago? Mm -hmm. They had a pretty solid match. This might have been even better than that. But Taker's about ready to give JBL the tombstone to pick up the win. But... Here comes SmackDown's next draft lottery pick, the legend killer himself, Randy Orton, Move on over to SmackDown to pop in and hit an RKO to allow JBL to pick up the win. But uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I shouldn't just assume that he's the next draft lottery pick because, obviously, uh, who who could ever know that as Michael Cole and Taz wonder on commentary. (laughs) They, They sit there thinking, what is this? What is he doing here? Is is it possible that Randy Orton is the newest SmackDown draft pick? What is happening
1: here? Interference by Orton. Like I said earlier, is one... I, I, I don't know. Is he the pick? Is he the... I don't know what to believe here.
0: They have not been paying attention. They have no concept Brad.
1: of what's going on here.
0: <laughs> Even though they're supposed to get a draft pick on this night and no one has appeared yet. It could, and it's
2: the end of the night, mm, yeah. Here's a guy from Raw. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like the... Uh, Match at uh, Golly isn't no way out when Hyde and Wright comes out or yeah or Stacey comes out. He can't be here. He's on
1: Raw. <laughs> this is a SmackDown <laughs> This is a SmackDown
2: affair. So, yeah. <laughs> so well, Cole very much drawing the line, drawing a line in the sand between the brands. So.
0: <laughs> thankfully, Randy Orton does get on the mic and confirm that he's coming over to Raw and he's going to make Undertaker's life a living hell. So,
2: yeah, sure. there you go. Yeah, says he's officially on SmackDown, so makes a clear cut there. So yeah, there we go. Good stuff. I was happy to see him back. So it was kind of neat. And again, even though he comes in here, it's gonna we're playing the long game again yes. with Orton and, and Taker. So set that in the back seat of the of the hearse while we uh, buckle it in the back seat, and we're gonna take the driver's seat here with uh oh uh, my the next draft pick. <laughs> so that's gonna bring us to SmackDown uh, on June twenty third oh five. It's gonna open up uh, with a promo from Randy Orton. And he talks about how he earned uh, – his reputation precedes him and how he would have beaten Taker at WrestleMania, but he – had he not injured his shoulder during the match, which I think is l- like – I don't think it was during the match, but I think he legit had another shoulder injury because he's he's been out too since Mania. He hadn't had a match since Mania. So, um, man, he had bad shoulders back then. Remember, he's always out for shoulders and he stuff. Did. I think he talked about it on DVD, like he's like, I don't know, double jointed or something. Something's crazy with his shoulders, and so he always has injuries.
0: He injured it doing his taunt on the ground at the (laughs) next one night stand, I think.
2: Yeah, it was was awful. He injured it,
0: taking out the trash one time.
2: (laughs) Tied his shoe, injured it, brushing his teeth, (laughs) just broke it. Yeah. He's like, angle, tears his squad in the morning. He's fine to wrestle that night. though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but he says he's been waiting to exact revenge, and he finally got it last week, and he says, uh, and we literally see 15 replays of that RKO on Taker Link. Wow. Literally, yeah. And then he says that every SmackDown member needs to get used to moments like that, and the fans are chanting for Taker, 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 and he's like, you know, he, he goes off script, you know, and just starts laying into the crowd for chanting for Taker, which it was nice to see. Uh, i guess the leeway to kind of go off script because nowadays everything is so you know scripted it was cool to see him he's kind of play off the crowd but anyway he goes to leave and the lights are gonna flicker here and we see a video of taker's uh win over orton at mania and again 15 literal replays of the tombstone that he hit him with um lights are out the gong bell hit the lights come up and taker's behind orton and he's uh the ring is kind of filling with smoke and you can see Orton kind of knows what's happening. He turns around and take kind of flexes at him and, uh, you know, bows up to him. And Orton scurries out of there and runs up the ramp. And Orton's like, gets on the mic and says, you know, we'll do this on my terms. You know, you won't know when and you won't know where. You're just going to have to wait.
1: Undertaker, you're just going to have to wait. Wait.
2: Death
1: waits for no
2: one. And we get the lights flickering, and a lightning bolt strikes right next to Orton, and Taker rolls his eyes in the back of his head, and the purple lights are there, and so we got some more supernatural, more supernatural stuff there, so...
0: Had you had he ever said "Death waits for no one or no man" before? Because I was don't think awesome. he
2: had, and that was great. And like, where's that been this whole time? Like, where's <laughs> it been for fifteen years?
0: What a great catchphrase!
2: Like, that should be on a shirt. Have yeah. a picture, like, or like, a, you know, the Reaper or whatever. Like, death waits for no man. And like, that's awesome. Like, he's coming. He's digging holes, collecting souls, whatever. Like, death <laughs> waits for no man. You know, like,
0: that's that's right there. Why yeah. have we not heard that? before? I don't know so. why he didn't use that more.
2: That should have been like catchphrase 101 right there. So it was awesome. But uh, anyway, big debut in Idol Smackdown is the Mexicals.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> not Mexicans. The Mexicals. No.
2: Exactly. <laughs> oh, golly. We're going
0: to talk about some racist stuff on this show. And <laughs> yeah. this isn't even it.
2: <laughs> exactly. This is not the worst stereotype we're going to talk oh, about. It's God. awful. Oh, Mexicans in jumpsuits riding lawnmowers to the ring. <laughs> And that's not the most racist thing we're going to cover today, (laughs)
3: ladies and gentlemen.
2: But anyway, JBL comes out, and he gloats about how he's Mr. SmackDown, and he deserves to be the champion of SmackDown. And he says that win over Taker last week means that Teddy Long has no choice but to name him champ. He is the champion of blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, homosexuals, bisexuals, trisexuals, whatever, you name it. He's the champion for all of them, so... He'd fit right in in today's sure. Yeah. <laughs> Most of his stuff wouldn't, have, but this this <laughs> kind of would. So a little more progressive, JBL. Very progressive, scene. JBL.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh man, but uh, anyway, yeah, he's gloating, and then um, Booker T comes out and disagrees. And he says, you know, I don't think that anyone should be named champion. A new champion should have to be earned. Should have to earn that right. You dig. And uh, challenges JBL to a match tonight, where the winner is the new SmackDown champion. Okay. And then Benoit comes out to be the voice of reason, which does not work out. Uh, anyway, uh, Benoit takes the mic and says that he's going to make a triple threat match tonight, and uh, he says, oh, uh, no. "What?" I said, "Oh, right? <laughs> <Sorry." no. laughs> well, JBL disagrees, and also Big Show disagrees. So his his music going to hit. So this is just classic, like. This is how most RAW episodes begin nowadays. So, um, I mean, set you up for the big.
0: L- look at this, though. Mid. Look at SmackDown right now. It's four guys arguing over the title is JBL, Booker T, Chris Benoit, and Big Show. That shows yep. you SmackDown standing up against RAW mm-hmm. at this point in time, man. Like, oh yeah, all those guys are great, but if that's your top <coughs> four, that's that's kind of yeah. rough at this point in time.
2: Yeah, RAW had Cena, Batista, Triple H, Ric Flair. Shawn Michaels, (laughs) like, those are all the guys. Chris Jericho, those guys are all over there on on Raw. So, you're right, man. But, um, anyway, uh, Big Show comes out, and he says he's going to give JBL two choices to make it a fatal four-way, or he and Booker T and Benwell just beat him up right now and have a triple threat. So, Teddy Long comes out to settle this right play, and He comes out, and he says that we're going to have a new uh, SmackDown Championship. In fact, he's got it in a velvet bag, which looks like Booker T's old – Miss uh, Papa Sangre, or whatever. That's what I <laughs> Mama it was. Sangre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bones of a tree Mama's... legged dog. The <laughs> bones of a tree legged dog and a new championship title in there. So He didn't pull it out and it wasn't green and had 24 7 written on it, so that's good. <laughs> it could have been worse. But uh, it is funny, though, because he didn't leave that bag in the limousine and get ripped off from Longhorn Steakhouse. So. Thank goodness. Well, he's getting a little bit of the bubbly. So. Anyway, but uh, he says uh, JBL demands he name him the champ, and Teddy says that next week after the draft, he'll be naming JBL the new SmackDown champion if he wins a five-man challenge tonight with Booker T versus Benoit versus Big Show versus JBL versus The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There he is. Even though Taker got a big W, I mean a big L last week, he still gets to be put in (laughs) the spot, man. So... And um, the winner's a new SmackDown champ. And then suddenly we hear the music that I uttered earlier that um, is Muhammad Hassan's iconic music. I mean, you can't forget it. Like, it is what it is. And he comes out, and I'd say the crowd reacts by not giving him a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> they react with no reaction. Uh, How did yeah.
0: Michael Cole and Taz react? God, okay. Dang it, guys. It's, yeah. it's been going on for a month now. I still don't understand yeah. the
2: concept. This is the end of the month. Like, do you not understand the concept of this? Really? Like, I just, yeah, it's awful, man. Well, the crowd does get in some USA chants, and Hassan gets on the mic and says that uh, it's unbelievable that the newest and greatest Raw draft pick, pick excuse me, I just said. some <laughs> <laughs> 40 slip there. Yeah. Newest and greatest Raw draft pick. Is treated like a second-class citizen. Of course, that's his mo. That's his. That's his thing. Um, He says he deserves to be the champ, and he claims he has the longest, most prestigious undefeated streak in WWE history. And is that true? (laughs) At this time, I think didn't wasn't Andre the Giant, uh, you know, storyline undefeated for like a decade or something? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so.
2: I mean, seriously. So, this can't possibly be real. So I
0: mean, I know Tatanka had a really long undefeated streak well, yeah. there for a while, but I mean, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I can't ended, remember if that was actually true.
2: Who ended Tatanka's streak? Ludwig Borgo or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Well, he says that uh, he gets 4 or 101 heat and claims that you know Benoit never beat him on Raw, and Says Booker is a five-time loser, since he's a five-time champ, means he lost the title five times, which, honestly, that's true. Ric Flair 16-time champion, means he lost it 16 times. So, (laughs) how good a champ are you? But, anyway, uh, he says he can beat Big Show any night of the week. JBL's a quitter like every other American there is. And Teddy just decides to add him into the mix and says he'll be a six-man. So, all right. That's, uh, I guess, Teddy's uh, showing some uh, Arab-American diplomacy here. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's... So anyway, all the guys hit Hassan and Big Wait, Show winds up
0: Is is this what? segment still happening? Yeah. Oh it my is.
2: God. Yeah, it is. I'll this was this so session. long. Dude. I this know. was it about forty five minutes. <laughs> it really ate up like the first twenty eight minutes of the show, man. It's oh, crazy.
0: Man, did it Yeah. Drop.
2: Big Show press slams Divario over the top rope onto Hassan and then there's a light of the in the tunnel log 'cause if you do stick stay tuned for the rest of this episode of SmackDown, Eddie and Ray are gonna have they're gonna redeem themselves from that WrestleMania opener. And have a thirty-minute freaking classic, man. Where Ray is not messing with his uh, his uh, mask the whole time, and it's 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 a thirty-minute match. It's it's insane, so. Crazy, crazy. And
0: that's about the only thing you can take to to make up for this, man. As Muhammad Hassan joins SmackDown. He actually picks up a win over Big Show on this yeah. episode right afterward. Uh, so he gets gets put over there in his SmackDown debut after a uh, stuttering Matt Morgan interferes in the match in a in a road we will not travel down on this podcast. The but the mayor of won.
2: Longwood, Florida. <laughs> Today, nowadays.
0: Yikes. So, good oh, for man.
2: him. He got over stuttering gimmick Nice a politician congratulations yeah. yeah and I'll be honest man this segment this segment lasted so long that I didn't even realize that Hassan had a match <laughs> in big show, so I, it. I didn't even see it on the like queue there because it probably just said big show in a singles match mm-hmm. so I didn't even see it so yeah thanks for catching that so because I, I didn't even see it so
0: yeah you should thank me yeah <laughs> well uh, dude let's talk about Muhammad Hassan for a second here before sure. we keep going and let's Kind of talk about that character for yeah. those that may not remember it as well here on the spot. Give us some context here, because he is jumping over from Raw, and you know he started in late 2004, I mm-hmm. believe. There was a lot of vignettes of him and Divari on uh, on Monday Night Raws where he started out, and the whole idea of his character, from what I remember, is that he was not like this evil terrorist, you know, stereotypical Arab-American, but it was more that he was angry that people did think of him as this stereotype because obviously we're only three years removed from September 11th back at this time. So he was angry that he was being discriminated against even though he was just as American as anybody else. So that was his... You know, inspiration for his character and for him wanting to come in and make a name for himself in WWE. Um, what did you think of this guy in his first, in his debut, first impressions, his first few months with the company as he you know, feuds with the announcers, I believe, with Jerry Lawler, he feuded with for a while, and then he ended up in a segment with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your sort of initial impressions of him?
2: I remember him getting some massive heel heat on Raw. I think he got more heat on Raw, He because he didn't last on SmackDown very long, but I remember him getting some massive heel heat over on, over on Raw, and it's easy heat, you know, but I tell you what, as you were just describing that character there, if that were 2019, he'd be a babyface.
0: Well that's the whole thing, it's like, yeah. it, it's, it's exactly what a heel should be, in that yes. he's not saying anything you take the wrong. truth yeah yeah he has a lot of truth to what he's saying but he's just being such a jerk about it that you actually right. end up hating him and and that kind of makes the best villains in movies like I mean, yeah uh this this new joker movie that's coming out with, with joaquin phoenix like it's very controversial and obviously i haven't seen it yet but i think the whole idea idea of it is he's He's, it's very realistic, and a lot of he's like a lot of villains. He's saying a lot of true things, but he's kind of going off the rails with how he's actually uh, communicating those things. And right. that's this whole Hassan character. That's the idea behind it, at least. Whether or not yes. it's actually being delivered with that context and that nuance to it is another up for debate.
2: Well, it's like CM Punk when he was a Straight Edge safe. Yes. Nothing he said was bad. He's everything he preached to people was stuff they should be doing in their lives it was the way the arrogance he carried yeah. about him when he did it the way he delivered and you could turn that you could turn that character as a face or a heel that cm punk character that straight edge savior guy but same thing should have been done here I mean, he could he could have been able to flip to a baby face if he wanted to because like you said he's saying kind of baby face things it's truth but he was definitely in this day and age you weren't going to get that you know you're going to get straight anti- Arab American stuff super heel heat USA pro USA everybody was pro USA at this point you know um even the most jaded American was so I remember um thinking he sucked on the mic thinking that he was green as grass like a lot of new guys that got brought up right then um and I remember just but, but I do remember being like good on them for having like a, a real heel though like I do remember respecting the idea of his heel like nature but like I wasn't excited to see him wrestle I wasn't excited to see him talk. I don't know. I just wasn't really into it, you know? How about you?
0: Yeah, you just brought up my biggest complaint that I had about the Hassan character is really, it's not so much the character, it's the guy portraying it.
2: Uh, (laughs) Mark Capani?
0: Mark (laughs) Capani. Nothing against the guy. It's not personal, but you just go back and watch this and... He just doesn't have it, man. I'll put him up there with the guys we just talked about, Heidenreich, Luther Luther Reigns. Toss him in there. Compare him to Randy Orton. And you look at Mm -hmm. three guys who got pushed to the moon, who just didn't have it. They looked okay, but once you put him on the mic, once you put him in the ring, it's just not there. Whereas with Randy Orton... Yeah, going back and looking at him in 2005, there's a little bit of greenness to it, but you can just tell is he's, he's just so much more advanced mm-hmm. than these three guys. And, and Hassan, he just doesn't have the personality, he doesn't have the acting skills, he just doesn't have it to pull this deep of a character, this this big of a heel, this this much nuance that you have to have to actually pull this off. He just doesn't have it. He's talks in the same voice the entire time he gives a promo, and he yeah. can't pull it off when he's in the ring either. It just, to me, yeah, he's getting booed because he's right brown, but right. he's not getting booed because he's actually being able to pull off this character.
2: Right, and you know who would have been better at this, and the on, only reason that he's not in this is because he's so small, was Davari?
3: That's Daivari. it, man.
2: Davari has the inflection in his voice. He can talk. If you've ever heard Davari on my podcast or something, he's a good talker. Like right? or like in regular interviews when he was not this. Character, he is a good talker, and now he works for the company backstage. But anyway, like he he if he were six inches taller, um, he would have had this character, and I think it would have, it would have made me and you and other fans believe in it more. You know, as a credible threat because he can actually go in the ring too. I mean, I think Davari is can go. Better than Mark Capani is. And maybe one reason that Mark Capani couldn't do it is because he's an Italian American from Syracuse.
0: <laughs> exactly. Seriously,
2: you know, it's no fault of his he got slammed with this, you know, character, but like he doesn't I feel like you just do a little bit of research, you know. Like, I don't know, maybe. I don't
0: know. Oh, you're one hundred percent right, man. I think that's something I've always thought as well. Maybe if you flipped these roles, what if yeah. Davari was the guy who was out there wrestling because he was a much better wrestler, and Hassan was the guy who was his muscle, like his diesel character, his heater, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was dude, out there. That's a great idea. Doing that, and Davari, you know, in 2019 it would have worked because because da- you know you've got guys Daivari's size in the main oh, event yeah. you know, uh, but in yeah. 2005. It would have been a lot tougher, but, he, you know, he might could have pulled it off. But you know, Divari's out there. He's out there actually chanting and talking in Arab and getting mm-hmm. a lot of heat because he's ranting and raving in this foreign language that people can't stand. Right. And even when he's just doing that, like you said, he has so much more charisma mm-hmm. and passion in what he's doing than when Hassan is actually talking in English. So I think <laughs> even maybe you could have just still had Hassan be the main guy. Sure. But just never
2: talked. Right,
0: and let Daivari actually yes. be his manager Golly, and talk for. him a better idea. Yeah, it would have gone <laughs> over so much more, yeah. I think, because uh, he
2: can do the fighting for, like Bobby Heenan. He had some guys with him that weren't great, but Heenan's Heenan's the guy you want to see Hogan get his hands on, not the guys that he actually wrestled. It was Heenan, you know. So yeah, Davari could have been the Bobby Heenan here, and then he had his monster of the week, but it was always Hassan, you know. He's going up against the guys fighting his dirty fights for him, you know, and yeah, never talk. Stand there and look mean. You could even have a more stereotypical, you know, uh, wardrobe if you wanted to, whatever. I don't care. I don't need that. But, like, yeah, Davari, that may have made this whole thing, well, aside from the angle we're going to get in a minute. But other <laughs> yeah. than that, maybe it would have had more legs uh, with Davari in you know? it.
0: And you would have actually had an an Arab person American. instead of
2: <laughs> An Italian like, from Syracuse.
0: You've got like Adam Sandler as Iraqi Pete out there. It's basically what Bob Hassan is. <laughs> An Italian guy. It's <laughs> a Holy crap. <laughs> That's all I can think uh, of. But so
2: much... <laughs> Those of you too young to know who that is, just Google Iraqi Pete. It's Adam Sandler.
0: Boo! Oh, you boo me! <laughs>
2: <laughs> boo <Rocky> Iraqi Pete! <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! Iraqi Pete had more charisma than oh, Mark Caponi's,
0: without question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I wish we were covering Iraqi oh, Pete. Me too. Undertaker. Oh man,
0: that's basically what this is going to turn into. But <laughs> uh, SmackDown, June thirtieth, two thousand five. Before we get there, uh, Hassan and Divari are Ranting and Raven and. Uh, railing at the people for celebrating the Fourth of July because he doesn't feel like he gets to c- um, celebrate the Fourth of July because he never felt like a free man in his own country and he's gonna win this big fatal five way matchup tonight and it's it's gonna be a fatal five way not a fable, fatal fatal six way six pack whatever because big show in this interim has gotten drafted to Monday night raw so he's mm-hmm. out of this big main event match and uh Hassan is on the mic saying since Undertaker lost to JBL two weeks ago, he doesn't deserve to be in this match and that the, the Day of the Dead man has come and gone and it's his time now. You can imagine, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, that's <laughs> going to cue the lights going out, cue the bell tolling, the King of Gong style as he comes out. And uh, tonight becomes the Day of the Dead on the 7 SmackDown. And uh, I believe I you can... Put your dinner in the microwave. We can go take the dogs out for a walk. Read the kids' bedtime story, Travis, because Undertaker is gonna make his full-on entrance here in the midst of Hassan's promo. But he finally gets to the ring. Taker uh, and Hassan is praising him, saying, "Oh, maybe you're not like all other Americans." And Hassan talks about all the great men that Undertaker has beaten and how he's had the legendary career in WWE history. You've beaten all the men on the list.
1: What I was really saying was, you've had one of the most legendary careers in WWE history. I mean, you've you've beaten everybody on the list. I mean, everybody, all the greats. Except for me, the great Muhammad Hassan. (laughs) The great.
0: Yeah. Taker goes to choke the great Muhammad Hassan, but Davari hits him with a chair, and it's going to become a signature here in this short-lived feud. Taker absolutely no-sells anything Daivari does. Like, he's just <laughs> a fly it. landing on his arm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Taker turns to Daivari, and uh, that allows Hassan to run away, and Taker just lifts up Daivari, one-arm choke slam, mm. and yeah. slams him down to the ground. And that's gonna kick off this Taker and Hassan viewed really into full gear here.
2: Yeah, and I do want to say one thing. I'll I'll, I'll put over Hassan real quick because when Taker gets in the ring, he doesn't like back down. He looks confident, and so I'm trying to find some silver lining here because we've <laughs> taken a dump on this guy. <laughs> but uh, his character, he does kind of stand up to him. So I do appreciate you, you can see that the character believes his own hype. Now Davari jumps out the ring like he's Brian Hebner. I loved it. He just <laughs> bolts out the ring. <laughs> Which again, that's the reason what you were just saying. That character would have worked. Like if he was the guy with all the heat and then Hassan was just as heavy, you know, that they did the dirty work from that. Ah, been so much better. So much better. <laughs> it would have
0: been, man. It would have been. Unfortunately, we don't have that, but we do have this five-man match. Uh, it's going to become a six-man here in just a second for the SmackDown Championship and uh, Tony Chimel gives us the rules. This is Dude. the old uh, eliminations can happen via pin submission out, or DQ, and two guys are in the ring and they tag out to people, which I can't stand these silly
2: rules. I know they had one recently on Raw, and I thought it was going to be that, but they actually had a six-man or five-man match. It was nice to see it's five guys in the ring doing duking it out. So I appreciated that because yeah, back then I don't who's the point of tagging in now? Why we not just why we not hop off the apron? Just wait till everyone's eliminated. Exactly. And then hop in.
1: Er,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's all you got to do. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to be yeah. in the ring wasting your energy?
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: <sighs> well, before we get to the match, we get everybody getting their entrances. Uh, Booker T, Crispin, Benoit, Muhammad Hassan, JBL. Teddy Long interrupts, and he does, surprisingly does not introduce the Undertaker, but ends up making this match a six-pack with SmackDown's newest draft pick, Christian, joining the brand here. So he comes out, Captain Charisma, and this was pretty much at the peak of him, WWE-wise, uh, uh, before he was about to move on to TNA.
2: Yeah, he actually main evented on Raw uh, on Monday, and now he's main eventing on SmackDown. So I think he even says that the next week, like, I'm the only guy that ever main event Raw SmackDown in the same week or something. So,
0: yeah, man, he had a lot going true, on during but, this time. Yeah. Probably not, but... Uh, Uh, And thankfully, after all these entrances, The Undertaker is just going to be nice to us and just kind of appear in the ring after a (laughs) little gong. He's like, man, we can't spend any more time on entrances, so I'm just going to show up. And he appears behind Christian after everyone else runs away and kicks off the match with him. uh, Picks up where he left off with Christian back in their tag team days and just annihilates him. (laughs) Steam rolls over him. And Christian ends up tagging out to Muhammad Hassan as we go to commercial. We come back with uh, Taker and Hassan in the ring. And, you know, a lot of action happens. They go off with each other. This is a really long match. It eats up like 45 minutes. It, on yeah. The show.
2: This whole thing is like the, basically the second hour of the show, man. It's crazy how long this was.
0: It was a good match. You know, yeah. it's uh, solid work from everybody. Uh, Taker is going to be the first one eliminated, actually, though, because he is in there with Hassan, and he gets himself disqualified by using a chair on Muhammad Hassan, and uh, Tony Chimel announces that, uh, pretty clearly a voiceover on the show, it's not actually <laughs> oh, live yeah. audio, but yeah. Taker beats up Hassan, and Hassan ends up running away to the back, and apparently that's how he's eliminated here, too. Yeah. <laughs> even though he's not technically a legal man here at this point. But Taker and Hassan run away. They're facing each other at the pay-per-view, so it kind of makes sense. And then uh, you can fast-forward to the end here as JBL wins the match and uh, is actually announced as the new SmackDown champion, but Teddy Long comes out to give him some good news and bad news. And the good news is that he is going to be the number one contender for the SmackDown Championship. But the actual new SmackDown champion is the World Heavyweight Champion, the final SmackDown draft pick, giving SmackDown back a World Champion, Batista, who comes out here, and uh, it's going to be a guy we will cover quite a bit on this show as well.
2: Yeah, and we were there for one of those, so it'd be fun to cover him. But yeah, so they got two picks this night, I guess, huh? Christian and Batista. They so. did, yeah. Bonus. Bonus. So, but yeah, it definitely. Um, he wrapped up his storyline with Triple H. I mean, annihilated him in three straight matches on pay per view. So, tell about Hunter, puts him over. He'll put his friends over. Sure. <laughs> <Put his> friends <laughs> over. Yeah. But um, he did. It's, but seriously though, if you beat Triple H three matches in a row, like you're pretty set. And then he comes over here to be the big dog on SmackDown and gonna go one on one with JBL. <laughs> So anyway, but it was nice to get a champion back on SmackDown. But
0: and that's going to lead us into the real good stuff—the reason why we're here. in The next episode of SmackDown.
2: Oh yeah, so we get another double set of tapings as we get that weird Raw SmackDown hybrid set again. And this is quite an famous or infamous infamous if you know Three Amigos um, infamous episode of SmackDown for several reasons here. And this is the night that the Blue World Order debut and spray paint JBL's limo, um, I remember this. Uh, it was ridiculous. This is where WWE worked himself into a shoot, basically, because if you don't know, back at East WWE one Night Stand, the uh, JBL gave the Blue Meanie some legit punches. And um, I guess to pay for that, he has a match with them tonight. And uh, they, I guess, are professionals. But then Stevie Richards gives a chair shot at JBL that would, would put a man on death row nowadays, Good I mean. Lord, man. And uh, I've heard a recent podcast with Steve Richards, and he said that that was absolutely on purpose, and it was absolutely he hated JBL after oh, what yeah. he did to his, his friend Blue Meanie, Uh and he said that was without question supposed to hurt JBL tremendously. And he said, you know, I'm sorry about it now, but I was not sorry back then, and that's exactly what he deserved, so, you know. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, which, I mean it, Blue, Blue Mini defeats JBL here, who's the number one contender. So it's, yeah,
0: and the, the blood coming out of JBL, like I mean, hard way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like it, yeah, is it is nasty.
2: Yep, it's awful. So he paid his penance there for what he did to, to poor old Blue Mini. Yeah, I mean, he beat that guy up. But anyway, that's the that's not the most controversial thing of the night. I, surprisingly, honestly. yeah, yeah, surprisingly, but um. Anyway, that's going to take us to uh, later on Hassan is confronting Teddy Long backstage and complaining and saying – and fair enough, though. He says, you know, I was never pinned or submitted last week, but I was eliminated from the match, so technically I should be number one contender, which, again, fair play to you, lad, because that's, uh, that's fine. But um, anyway, Teddy just fires up. like, I don't take demands. He's like, you know, I'll make a number one contenders match for a great American Bash, and it'll be you versus The Undertaker, which – if they were the first two eliminated from the match last week, <laughs> why did they get the number one contendership? Shouldn't it be the last two guys who were in there? I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's never questioned Teddy Long's watches. I'm sorry.
2: I apologize. I apologize. But anyway, he says, and in fact, tonight, Daivari, you will go one-on-one with The Undertaker. So, going to get Davari's first match here on SmackDown. So, um, later on, Hassan tells Davari backstage that he is going to be – um, a sacrifice for the greater good, and that uh, he, his sacrifice will not go without a reward. And he whispers something into Davari's ear, and we don't know what that is. And uh, later on, we're going to get to see one of the most controversial things that and this is the thing we've come here to talk about. So, um, Davari and Hassan are out for the match, and Taker comes out, and Davari finally gets in the ring, and jumps back out, and Hassan throws him in the ring. Uh, Taker just goozles him, hits a huge choke slam. Again, it's kind of like watching Nunzio get choke slammed or Jeff yeah, Hardy or something. Right. So, it's great. And then Taker just stares at Muhammad Hassan, picks Divari up for the Tombstone, and pins him for the win. And at that moment, Hassan looks at Taker and starts smiling, and uh, he bows. And then five masked men in army fatigues and black, I guess, long sleeve like turtlenecks and black ski masks. Are going to sneak into the ring, beat up the Undertaker. Uh, one of these men will pull out a what they call a piano wire and choke the Undertaker with it as Hassan literally yells the words, Choke him, choke him. Um, the crowd's kind of quiet for this. They don't know what to, to do or think, how to respond to this. Taker, quote unquote, passes out in the ring. Um Hassan gets in there and gets him in a camel clutch as the five masked men are going to bow down to him as if he is their leader. Um, they're his followers. And Taker is basically laying out of it on the mat. And the masked men are going to pick up Davari and carry him over their head like he's a, a martyr is what Taz says. So they're carrying him like in a crucifix pose almost, um, carrying him out. And uh, Yeah this is this is the infamous slash famous episode and um weird thing is it was filmed on monday night which would have been july the 4th 5th whatever i don't know because it was it was a double taping so it was filmed on monday night um so they didn't have tapings on the the fourth i guess anyway um and thursday morning in london uh There were some actual terrorist bombings on the train and the buses. Uh, Basically, the transportation system was targeted. I know that over 50 people died and hundreds of people were injured. And WWE acted fast or didn't act fast and uh, decided to air this angle on this night of SmackDown. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Just shocking to watch it back man here f- mm-hmm. 14 years later i mean it was i mean it's hard to talk about this man cuz it's
2: it's hard to make a joke right now yeah it's it hard really to make is. a joke about it because
0: yeah. you know you <laughs> it is what it is dude it's it's a it's your arab american character attacking somebody and having terrorist looking guys come out and help him in a very terrorist like attack choking him out with this wire and beating him with clubs and then picking up the other Arab character and lifting him up in like a crucifix type pose like he's a like he's a martyr like he's a sacrifice man after he talked to him earlier in the night about being a sacrifice it's like it is what it is. That's what they're going for here, man. The the announcers don't say it. Cole and Taz don't actually say that sort of stuff. But that's what they're leaning into here.
2: They're they're never called terrorist on WWE TV I can recall, and Hassan and Devar are never identified as Muslims. Again, not that those are the same at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that at the time that was that was the you know what they were leaning towards, you know what I'm saying? Rather right or wrong, that was the, what they were leaning towards. But, like, those words, it's always Arab-American. It's what he's called, Arab-American. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not hard to, to draw, you know, connect the dots and see what they're going for here. And, again, um, this angle occurred on Monday. They filmed it, and, you know, WWE and UPN did decide to air it. Um, they did have a little crawl on the bottom of the screen that aired, I think it was five times during SmackDown, saying that, it was like a warning of what's to come, you know, due to the nature of what happened that morning. Um, you know, some something's going to, you know, something occurs during SmackDown that, you know, very discretion advised. Um, but they aired it unedited. So Bruce Pritchard has <laughs> his two cents about it. Why don't look, you go ahead and talk about that?
0: <laughs> look, that's bad luck for sure. Obviously, you sure. had no idea that there would be actual terrorist serious, deadly terrorist attacks the same day you do a right. terrorist angle on your show. I mean, there are right. TV shows nowadays that have storylines with guns and shootings on there, and then a shooting happens in America or, or another country, and and episodes of those shows get pulled. And that's like, yep. you know, that's a, a, a thing you use in movies and TV shows, and it's bad luck when that happens. But mm-hmm. guess what? This would have been a bad idea... No matter what. Yeah. No matter if there was a <laughs> yeah. terrorist attack or not. Because right. as much as Bruce Pritchard or Vince McMahon or Paul Hammond or anybody wants to say that oh wrestling why can't wrestling be like other T V shows? Why can't it be like an episode of twenty four or something like that? It's not. It's right. not like that. Wrestling isn't like that. It's just not. You don't do stuff like this. You, you it doesn't work well in that environment. You don't have the actors or the characters with that sort of nuance to pull it off. You've got more realism in wrestling with these yeah. characters and these guys and and these ath- athletes. And you don't pull stuff like terrorism or shootings into wrestling. It's it's too much. You can't. It doesn't work in that way um
2: politics so, and religion should never be brought into wrestling well. yeah other shows are fine whatever i mean but there's a reason you watch wrestling is to escape it's some levity in your day you don't have to hear about the negative news you know the negative stuff in the news or on tv or in these wh- other shows that glorify this stuff you know or you know or don't glorify it you get to watch wrestling to watch a couple guys in their underwear beat each other up one of them's dead and one of them you know, is what it, it doesn't matter. You know, one guy spits water. One guy's, you know, sl- slept with a dead person. You know, in a casket. Like it just, there's all kinds of stupid stuff. That you, that's why you watch wrestling. You know, you to want get away from that.
0: Personal issues. You don't yeah, want political exactly. issues in wrestling. Um, not to say you could never do it because maybe somebody has the talent to pull it off. And like we said, this. Hassan character in its original form, it's kind of an interesting character. Yeah, oh, yeah. But here's where it jumps the line, is that he's not just being a guy who's offended because he's being stereotyped. He actually becomes a terrorist, and that's right. what ruins the character. He's not supposed to be a terrorist. He's exactly. just supposed to be a guy who everyone else is being racist to. But now he's actually leaning into all these things, and it's just exactly.
2: like... Oh, man. Yeah. They got their own story backwards you know that they can't they, help themselves they, yeah it's it would have been fine just keep it on like it was so i and don't go know. back it to did. your
0: classic wrestling foreign heel stuff of just right. iron Sheik and and sergeant slaughter being the iraqi sympathizer and uh every every <clears throat> bad stereotype about racism and wrestling here and
1: yeah
0: you know just just going back to what you talked about with you know, they they had a crawl at the bottom of the screen saying they couldn't edit this stuff out, all that sort of stuff. And if you listen to Bruce Pritchard, he does a whole episode on his podcast about Muhammad Hassan saying, mm-hmm. oh, there's nothing we could do. You know, it, those attacks happened that morning. We had they already had the tapes to UPN. There was nothing we could do to edit this off the show. And I just i had...
2: It was filmed on Monday. It like, was they had filmed it, on yeah. Monday. Yeah. And I know they, it happened on Thursday morning, but like... Come on. You and I were talking before we went on air. Like it wasn't like they were using real to real film. Like it's nineteen eighty one. You know, like snipping out the little pieces of film and stuff. Like, and they weren't sending VHSs around to their affiliates saying, "Plug this in and push play at eight o'clock." You know, like this. They they digitize things and they have ways to. And all they had to do was cut this part out.
0: Sure, you got. Matches from Velocity that you taped earlier that night, you could have mm-hmm. put on that show. Or you could have put in footage from that five-man match last week. You had could have put in a Basham Brothers, Reigns and Jin Drag match, or any match from yeah, 50 years watch of WWE <laughs> or WCW history. I mean, network, TV networks do that all the time. They cut them in with breaking news, or they have things that mm-hmm. happen where you edit things off a show at the last minute. It 100% would have been possible to say, hey, maybe we don't do the terrorist angle on the night where there was a real <laughs> terrorist angle in real life. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's not the best idea. Yeah. And uh, it is not the best idea. It ends up causing a huge firestorm for the WWE it gets picked up in the mainstream media, uh, newspapers, entertainment magazines, entertainment uh, shows, news shows, all this stuff happens where they talk about this and how it was in bad taste and it starts putting a lot of pressure on UPN to make some changes here. And they end up putting the pressure on WWE telling them they don't want Muhammad Hassan as a character on their network going forward.
2: Yeah, exactly. So they, they basically give the ultimatum he can't be on there anymore. So, okay, walk me. Walk with me here. How about this? You move the guy back to Raw. Oh, is it on Spike, though? It was on Spike at this point, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But Dang it. Well, yeah. 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 I was going to say, if it was on USA, you'd move him back to Raw for USA, and that just writes itself right. on the USA network. Yeah. That, that would have been great. <laughs> or did they, have they gone back to Homecoming on... No, I think it was... USA. No,
0: it was a few yeah. more years, I think.
2: Before they oh, went okay. back to USA. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, I was thinking they would go to USA. But anyway, that would have been... Or, gee, yeah, just move him back to Raw if you want to. I don't know. Whatever. I guess they just... That's not what happens. We'll talk about more of that, that later. But, yeah, this very bad publicity for the company here. And, yeah, basically it's, it's weird how just all because of this, this guy's career is... <laughs> that was his last appearance on SmackDown.
0: And we talk about how maybe he couldn't fill the boots of this character, but really, this is not his fault. You know, no. he's out there doing what he's been asked to do. This whole disaster, epic failure of this of this angle—that's on WWE. They should never have gone out with this idea, this angle in the first place. Him, right not being able to pull a character off before this, that's on him, but him, what's going to happen to him in his career after this point, that's not
2: his fault. Right. And that's why I do feel bad for the man, Mark Capone, for what happens to him. But yeah, you're right. It's separate from him, but uh, the idea that he kind of sucks at his job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as one thing ends, as one career ends, another is just about to begin here, Travis, on July 14th, 2005, chalk this up to another reason why we're doing this podcast on the undertaker just the litany of guys that he gets to interact with and just the absolute random one-offs here this is Mm -hmm. so cool this has become a very cool uh sort of famous moment in recent years as muhammad hassan's music hits but instead of hassan or davari come out we get muhammad hassan's personal attorney a uh, young man with a Big, thick head of hair, clean-shaven face, sort of looking like a young IRS in his <laughs> business suit and suitcase. Uh, he says his name is...
1: <coughs> My name is Thomas Whitney, Esquire. And I am the legal counsel for Mr. Muhammad Hassan. Mr. Hassan has authorized me to read this statement on his behalf.
2: But our fans... That's that's Vince
0: right there. Oh, that's a Vince name, (laughs) 100%. Uh, Wrestling fans would know him better as none other than the NXT former champion, Tommaso Ciampa. And unrecognizable here in this role.
2: Like you said, he had a head full of hair and clean shaven, but... What we know him as nowadays is no hair and a nice bushy beard. That's so,
0: right.
2: Yeah, it's uh funny, but yeah, man, Tommaso Ciampa. Back then, this is just crazy to see him. Like we've seen, we've seen NXT. We've seen Roddy Strong last week, didn't we? And now we've seen yeah, uh, yeah. Champa. You know, so it's just funny how this all works out. So yeah, uh, th- like you said, in the recent uh, past here, as you know, Champa has gotten a name for himself in NXT, become their champion and stuff. Uh, this is. People have been pulling this from the annals of time and showing it, but uh, it's funny. I did not remember this at the time. I didn't. I wouldn't have known this was him. No, you no know? way. I didn't no. know who Tomasa Ciampa was at the time. So, um, yeah, really he would funny, have been though.
0: would have been very very young in his career at yeah. this point. Basically, I'm sure he showed up as an extra, and they were just looking for somebody to to play this role and, and shoved him out there as he, and he gets to be a a footnote in the annals of history here mm-hmm. as he says that Muhammad Hassan has asked him to read a response to the actions of the past week on his behalf. And says he's undergone emotional distress from all the hatred he's received. And as such, he's decided to take a leave of absence from SmackDown this week. And uh, Mr. Whitney reminds the crowd that Muhammad Hassan is just as American as anyone. He deserves all his rights. He deserves to have freedom of expression, blah, 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 blah. Uh, says that Hassan will not appear on SmackDown until after he defeats The Undertaker at the ironically named Great American Bash.
2: That's some timing right there. That's funny.
0: How about that? How (laughs) about it?
2: How about it?
0: Well, Mr. Whitney gets interrupted, uh, gets a um, (laughs) objection, you would say, from (laughs) (laughs) The Undertaker. Uh, He's going to have... A rebuttal to his argument here, and uh, the Taker backs Mr. Whitney into the corner as he starts crying out, "Sir, I do not know your intentions. I am not a wrestler. I am only an attorney." And <laughs> Taker, of course, responds by goozling and choke slamming at Mr. Thomas Whitney Esquire and hoists him up, gives him a tombstone, lays him down in the middle of the ring. Here,
2: that's what he thinks about legal process. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Civil action, my butt. <laughs> yeah. This whole
0: court is out of order.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's the uh, the judge of uh, wrestlers' court, right? He is, Take right? Yeah,
0: that's how he <laughs> holds court right there.
2: <laughs>
0: oh my goodness! So where was Muhammad Hassan tonight? As we mentioned, UPN has already told WWE they don't want him to be a part of the show, and basically. Right. You know They're all in chaos all week trying to figure out what to do with him, what to do with this match, what to do with this whole situation. But Muhammad-san does actually appear before the live crowd on this night delivering a promo that did not air on the show. It did end up airing on WWE.com later on that week, and uh, you can Mm -hmm. find it pretty easily on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure it's on one of our social media channels by this point. But he does the typical WWE thing, or should I say Vince McMahon thing, just classic right. Vince. He rails against the media and cannot take any criticism. He's basically speaking for Vince McMahon in this promo here, yeah. saying that...
2: <laughs> Vince proxy. Um,
0: he is, man. Um, <laughs> saying.
1: So if Don Kaplan of the New York Post has never met us, how does Don Kaplan know that we're terrorists? John Kaplan also writes that Arabs in ski masks carried Davari out as a sacrifice last week. Arabs in ski masks. In ski masks, exactly. In a ski, a ski mask. How does he know that they were Arabs?
2: But that line right there was like, yeah, I know it's I know it's wrong, but like it's Vince not saying he's sorry, but like that's a true He is right. It, you know, he is right. Like, that shows the mindset of Americans that they assume these men were terrorists. Like, that could have been – if this would have lasted longer, he could have used that. But it doesn't. So, anyway, I did like that line. But.
0: It is funny. I mean, you're right. He's, yeah. he's not wrong about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, again, you go back and watch this promo and ultimately, Mark Kapani, Muhammad Hassan – he struggles through it, dude. He mm, just, it's yeah. the same it's volume, the same monotone voice throughout. Our, not really monotone, but just screaming at the same volume the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go back to another SNL character, it's it's Will Ferrell when he is <laughs> voice, voice modulation mod- disorder guy. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing from Muhammad um, Hassan here. <sighs> it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't click, man. He cannot hold his own with this material.
2: I know, man. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah, that's. I watched that segment the other day, and it was. It's a good thing I didn't put that on TV. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone over too well. But, um, tell you what, man, he could have taken some, uh, some pointers from his, his attorney there, because that guy knows how to be a heel.
0: <laughs> In that wild, and man. just like
2: every good heel, eventually you live long enough to see yourself become the baby face, <laughs> you know? Like to turn a, uh, to turn a, um, two face line around from the dark night. But, um, yeah, I mean, Champa used to come out with no music. That's how big of a heel he was. He didn't have music, I and mean, he was the most hated man in the entire WWE, in my opinion. When him and Gargano did their thing, so oh yeah, it's just funny, man. It's a funny. shame.
0: I'm sure those two will never really have any sort of interaction. Taker and Tommaso kind of gone in different love paths. That. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> At a different time, a different age they could have done, had some fun with each other I'd love to know I'm sure Tiger doesn't watch much NXT but I'd love to know what he thinks of, of that guy and the whole Gargano yeah. feud
2: maybe one if he looks rec- if he remi- remembers him from this night back yeah. in the <laughs> <laughs> well man if you don't mind I'd like to cover the go home show for Smackdown yeah the man pay- go view. for it yeah so Smackdown uh, July 21st 2015 alright we're gonna go great, great American Bash. <laughs> <laughs> they they literally there's nothing. The storyline's dead in the water. They've paid to into a corner. They gotta go with it. It's a great American batch, which is funny to me because the whole thing is what it is. But and allegedly, depending on who you speak to, Hassan won't admit this, but some people, the dirt sheets were saying that he was supposed to win this match, become the number one contender, and then beat Batista at the SummerSlam, which was in Washington D C. Like how heel can you get like that that's some that's some super heel stuff right there. Who knows if that's true or just people speculating, but that would have been some super heel stuff right there.
0: Oh, it absolutely would have been and it would not shock me at all if that was the case.
2: Batista's hometown as a champ, this anti American guy coming and winning at some like that would have been crazy. So
0: I'm sure there were some people on the writing team that wanted to just lean into this mm-hmm. and just be like you can't tell us what to do. You can't tell us mm-hmm. what we can and can't do. We're just going to completely flip this and go all the way, all in on mm-hmm. it.
2: Yep.
0: But so. in the end, money talks,
2: and <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that is not going to be what happens here. Yeah.
2: yeah, when you put the the weights on the scales, and one side has UPN and TV network and television rights fees and stuff, and the other one has uh, this guy from Syracuse, you just let that one go. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of just saying the scales of justice if you will
0: yeah i would say so as we uh go to the great american bash 2005 july 24th <laughs> 2005 man tinker has not had a lot of luck at these great american bash shows so far
2: <laughs> he is not he is not so yeah it's from the hsbc arena i don't know what that stands for but it's in buffalo new york and uh Never seen this show, but this was close to Hassan's. Uh, he's from Syracuse, so it's not too many hours away from Buffalo, if no. I'm not mistaken for my geography. But anyway.
0: Yeah, they add this one to the pile of uh, never seen it either. Uh, yeah. First time watching this match. and It does actually get it to be a part of the opening video package. It's highlighted in there as one of the main matches on the yeah. card. And uh, it goes on fourth from the top, um, but you wouldn't know that if you were going through the WWE Network and going through the little uh, chapters there on the screen. You wouldn't know what this match was,
2: right? Because it just says Undertaker competes in a singles match. <laughs> 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 a saw giving the, uh, the old Christopher Benoit trape- yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> erased from history. <laughs> so, oh, it's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. Well, yeah, we're gonna have a Taz and Cole on commentary because it's SmackDown pay per view here and. Hassan's going to come out first, and as you mentioned earlier on, he's uh, on a magic carpet. I guess <laughs> a carpet ride. He's got the, he's flanked by the mass men and the ski mask and the arm fatigues, and they're carrying him out on like a, you know, a couch like a you know, Middle Eastern sultan would wear or, or would, would ride on or something. Uh, the, the vizier, grand vizier, as I just watched uh, Aladdin recently. Um, anyway, something like that. And I do want to say though, we get some close-up of some American soldiers, and they are just. Boom. <laughs> it's getting all the right heat from these american soldiers oh there's
0: no denying that he's getting heat on this night yeah yeah they they do go all out with him they're like well this is the if this is the end of this character in this angle we're just gonna lean into all this controversy mm-hmm. here and they show that whole angle pretty much in full from smackdown the terrorist angle uh, in the video package beforehand and Cole and Taz on, are talking about the media controversy. And, uh, there's yeah. even a sign in the crowd that says UPN fears Muhammad back behind him. <laughs>
2: that was a plant.
0: <laughs> uh, might've been as uh, a song gets on the mic and, uh, reiterates, this is pretty much a loser leaves town match for him. Uh, if he does not defeat the undertaker, he's going to go away. Uh, but if he does win, he's going to be the number one contender and, says he left Undertaker beaten and bloodied, and he's willing to make sacrifices. He sacrificed Devari. He sacrificed his lawyer. And...
1: Everybody runs scared of the Undertaker. But tonight, I stand here alone in the middle of this ring defiant against that infidel, against prejudice, bigotry,
0: tyranny. Even though he's got six guys out there with him, he's going to stand there alone and by himself. But... Tonight, he will be known as the great Muhammad Hassan. (laughs)
2: That's right, man. Oh, the great Muhammad Hassan. Oh, whatever. Anyway, uh, lights go out, music hits, and uh, man, as you mentioned here in your notes, man, if there was ever a time to bring back the American B.A. Could you imagine if, like, Kid Rock just hit right there and he just rides out on the motorcycle? (laughs) Just for this night, absolutely. Like, just you you know, Taker was pushing for that tank backstage. top,
0: <laughs> jeans, it's like the, the flag, like uh, yeah, jacket on the, inside yeah, on the back yeah. of his bike.
2: I'm <laughs> in mean, the jacket from Survivor Series too. Oh yeah, that, that one. too. Yeah, <laughs> that one, and the one on the back of the bike. Just going all American BA with it, man. I've been crazy, but um, Cole basically notes that this is going to be a lumberjack match because he's got all the the guys on there uh out there with him like you said so um, <laughs> How did the
0: ref allow that
2: yeah i have no idea man i have no idea but got some good usa chance going on and as taker gets in the ring hassan leaves and stands next to his henchman and davari motions for them to take their positions around the ring so they're basically like i said surrounding the ring like it's a lumberjack match so bell rings hassan gets in and it's go time folks it's go time
0: for a little dancing around. It's uh, similar, <laughs> yeah. similar to WrestleMania actually, as they
3: yeah.
0: kind of Hassan runs away from Taker in the corner, each each different corner. Taker goes after him, and Hassan actually uh, strikes first here. Uh, throws a punch, and Undertaker gets a few shots on him before. Undertaker turns that around and uh, throws some hands at him, throws the boot, goes up top for old school, connects with that, and hits the old PTO for a two-count as well.
2: He's ready to get out of Dodge, man. Just get, <laughs> Catching in the PTO Finish ready to thing. go. Well, yeah, then there's more punching in the corner from Taker, and then he's choking him and does the old ref intimidation again. So, again, you should have bingo on your card by now.
0: Dude, he sends Hebner. I
2: was going to say, this might be the best one we've seen. And we say that every time, but this one, I mean, what's Brian Hebner? Brian Hebner, yeah. He flies out of the ring halfway up the ramp. He is just out of there, man. He darn near jumped in his car
0: and drove away from the (laughs) arena. (laughs) That's
2: what it is. Oh, it was great, man. I loved it. Yeah.
0: Since Hebner is distracted on the outside, Uh, Taker is actually going to go for a boot on Hassan, and Hassan's going to duck. And uh, Taker goes to the outside while the ref's distracted, and that allows the quote-unquote Hassan sympathizers on the outside of the ring, uh, as Cole and Taz call them, to attack the Undertaker and lay some beating on him.
2: Yeah, and then Hassan's going to take control on the outside and punch, kick, slam into the stairs. They roll back into the ring, and he puts his boot on Taker's throat, trying to choke him out. And then, again, the story of this match is going to be the ref being distracted by those quote-unquote sympathizers, which leads to the heel getting cheating and, you know, getting his dirty shots in there. So a DDT by Hassan for a two-count, as commentary put over, this basically a six-on-one match here. So, like they've been saying.
0: And it's getting a lot of heat. I mean, every time the sympathizers go after Taker, the crowd is hating on it and booing him. And they're they're feeding right into to to the stereotypical stuff here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Taker gets uh, (laughs) – he's going to do – the old Kane backflip out of the ring and go mm-hmm. after some of the sympathizers and start punching them. But again, they're gonna come. The sympathizers are gonna come after Taker. Uh, one guy with the piano wire chokes him out while Hassan distracts the referee and sends Undertaker back in the ring. And Hassan goes for his finisher, the old camel clutch, and locks it in.
2: Funny story about the camel clutch. On if you listen to Bruce Prichard's podcast, oh yeah, he talks about Hassan and going up to Kurt Angle or going to Eddie Guerrero because Eddie's dad invented it or something. I don't. It's just it's funny. Go back and listen to it if you want to. But I get Hassan got some real real heat in the backstage because uh, they used to mess with him apparently backstage because he was green. But yeah, apparently he ticked off Eddie Guerrero, which is not something you want to do. But anyway, he hits that move there, camel clutch, and we see a close up of Taker. He's got a trickle of blood on his lips. So I don't know if that was a, a shoot ski or some work, some working blood. I don't know, but anyway, he gets he actually going to get up with Hassan on his back and hit the old electric chair drop, which that's one of my favorite moves. That I love that cool. move. <laughs> Great.
0: Taker is going to take over from that. He gets a couple of the stinger splashes in the corner on Hassan before the. I mean, there's not much to this match, but it just no. basically goes off the rails at this point because the. Terrorists slash sympathizers start running in the ring pretty much one after another at this point. And uh, it's never called a disqualification because Undertaker – I guess because Undertaker always strikes them and they never strike him. Uh, He just punches them every time they run in the ring. Uh, But uh, after they come in the ring, Taker goes back after Hassan. He uh, hits Snake Eyes on Hassan then boots another terrorist down, gives another one a right (laughs) hand. Drops an
2: elbow on Hassan and then just keeps decking these guys, man. We're
0: talking about G.I. Joe or something.
2: Putin (laughs) terrorist. Oh, man. Basically. Yeah, he's going to go punch some more ski mask guys and then um, he's going to get Hassan up into the tombstone and try it, but Hassan's going to flip out of it and Irish whip Taker into the ropes. And when he bounces off the ropes, he just runs right into Taker's. A uh, hand on his throat. <laughs> Taker choke, slams him. <laughs> he
1: gets the pins.
2: <laughs> Eight minutes and four seconds. That's the whole match. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> the match is over. Crowd <laughs> pops, man. Oh, yeah. I love it. But immediately after that, the sympathizers are going to swarm him and attack him. Because we need to continue this angle here and kind of put a put a bow on it here as we go. And boy, what a big beautiful bow (laughs) we're going to put on this angle here
0: yeah dude and this goes back into something we talked about earlier in our show of what's one of the number one ways you can get somebody over sure you just let them run wild throwing finishers on people one after another over and over again we saw Taker and Kane used to do it back in the day and Taker's going to do it here on all these mm-hmm. sympathizers, man. And the crowd goes nuts because he takes them out one by one again after the match. He picks up one of the guys and takerizes him, jamming him on the chair yeah. into the announce table. Um, he choke slams another guy. He tosses another guy across the announce table. Uh, he sends Davari flying. He hits a tombstone on the piano wire guy. And then he does something I've never seen before
2: with Daivari. I love this part, man. I, I cannot recall ever seeing this. He takes, he goes outside, grabs Devary, and then throws him like into the front of the announce table. And Devary goes through the table like sideways, <laughs> like it's not through the top, come crashing down, but goes through the front side of it. Like it was insane. I loved it, man. I was just like, I popped huge for that because I literally don't ever remember. Seeing that oh, yeah. ever again that before or after, like why don't they do that more? It was really cool because it's unique. Everybody goes to the top of the table nowadays. There are multiple spots on the same pay per view card, but they'll use mm-hmm. the announce table. It's like nobody talks beforehand and talks mm-hmm. about what they're going to do. But anyway, like this dude went through the front of the table. <laughs> like, that's changing it up right there, dude. <laughs> like I love that.
0: Um. well,
2: as a. <laughs> So
0: good, you just does it to the front of the table, man. (laughs) While as Davari is hurting, as Taker is running wild, the main guy, the man of the hour, Muhammad Hassan, he is trying to get away. He is running away, he is crawling up the entrance ramp, but he is not gonna be able to escape the wrath of the dead man.
2: No, Taker's gonna catch him and like like a, you know, the monster catches his, his victim in, in a movie, and he's going to hit a choke slam on top of the ramp. And this one, you can put this one right up there with Luther Reigns and Heidenreich and Hulk Hogan, because this choke slam was rotten. It looked so bad, man. Uh, not Taker's fault, because he knows what he's doing. But anyway, then he's going to go on and, as if that's not enough. He's going to remove some of the grating, their metal panels, off the stage and just. Prepare for deletion, Mm. as Mare Hardy would say.
0: (laughs) How convenient that all these uh, grates on the stage are so easily removable.
2: (laughs) It's like, oh, man. So funny.
0: Well, he removes the staging. Undertaker does. Undertaker removes the staging here. And jacks up Muhammad Hassan right in between his legs lifts him up high into the sky and gives him a last ride through this hole on the stage into the abyss. And, man, it is a heck of a visual right here, man. Yeah. Obviously a stunt. um, Obviously some sort of crash pad underneath there. We don't see Hassan go down into the floor. Um, We do get a sound effect that seems like it's about... Two seconds too late of him mm-hmm. hitting the ground like should have hit that sound effect a little earlier uh but it still
2: looks really really cool it does man he gets a huge pop from the crowd and i tell you what man taz goes he is power he just gave him the last ride on the pure concrete i was like heavens man i hope not he killed a guy <laughs> you're gonna do that on the pure i mean this guy would be concrete. absolutely brain dead at this point yeah she gives my last ride on concrete like that, so we do get like after they have a couple minutes or a couple seconds to remove the crash pad and all that stuff, you know, take the take the uh, the magic off. We get the cameras going to circle around and actually show Hassan in there, and he's lying on like a lighting trest almost, like his land underneath his back. So I guess to make you feel like he actually hit that, so could he, could he have broken his back? I don't know, but he's like convulsing. It looked to me like he had, like, a dark spot behind his head, like, like back when Kurt Angle uh, died, when <laughs> right. he had that blood behind his head. It was, like, the same thing. Very similar. Um, yeah. But, man, I just – could just killed the guy. Like <laughs> just, Death waits for no one, I guess. I know. We saw him kill the guy
0: in the WrestleMania trailer, and now <laughs> yeah. he's murdering Muhammad Hassan.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. But, so, uh,
0: you know, the show must go on. So we cut to the back, and it's uh, – a new interview man, Steve Romero? Uh, Who? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Steve Romero, Romero, Romero.
2: Steve Romeo? Yeah. Kid Romeo?
0: Kid Romeo tells us that...
1: The Undertaker certainly providing us with a memorable Great American Bash moment. I'm joined now by Tori Wilson. Tori, do you have any special moments planned for your match tonight with Molina?
3: Special moments, huh?
0: He's smiling.
2: Kill the guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: just murdered a man, Steve. As he uh, talks to Tori Wilson for a second, and yeah, yeah, like you said, we cut back to some EMTs, and there's blood everywhere at this point. Mm-hmm. As they're working on Hassan, putting him on a stretcher. Cole and Taz have their serious voices on, uh talking about this this dreadful incident, and uh, they don't think we'll ever see Muhammad Hassan again. Uh, but you know. Here come the Mexicals riding their mo- uh, tractors <laughs> down
2: the <rampway>. Let's <laughs> Get back to the business end. <laughs> Enough of that crap. <laughs> but Cole does, put on, does mention that Undertaker is now the number one contender for Batista or JBL at the SummerSlam. So we'll see how that plays out. Stay tuned, ladies Stay and gentlemen. Tuned, Stay tuned, folks. creatures of the night. So, uh, well i like to put a little bit of bow on Mahalanisan, if that's okay here. Um, and uh, this poor little guy got, well, you read that he got sent back down to OVW, but I listened to a podcast so an interview with him, and he actually says that he didn't get sent down to OVW. He said that basically, um, basically, um, he said that, you know, it, they, they said we're going to have to put you and Davari aside and, like, we'll if you guys want to go down there and wrestle just to get some reps in, you can, but we don't have a character for you. We'll have to wait a while to get a new character and, you know, we'll see what's going to go on, uh, you know, in the future. And we'll have to keep you off for, you know, a couple months or six, six or eight months or a year. Yeah. And uh, he basically, the Mark Capani in this interview, the guy that plays us on, he said that, you know, he just moved from Louisville like eight months before when he moved to the main roster so he didn't want to go back down there just to get some reps in. He said he kind of saw the writing on the wall, you know, this media backlash. He said he figured that no matter what happened, he was going to be, you know, this was going to be his legacy. And so he just figured that he'd be done with wrestling. So he yeah. had to he said it was a huge passion of his and that that was what he all he wanted to be at that point, but he just had to let the dust settle and move on. Because, and he literally didn't wrestle until 2018, so wow. he didn't wrestle again. So from for 13 years, this guy stayed out of the ring. And uh, this interview I listened to was was from 2016, where he said that he would uh, would not come back to wrestling. He didn't miss him. He, he missed the like interaction with the fans and stuff, but he didn't miss being in the ring. He moved on. He's I'm, I'm not one of those guys that lives in the past. I like to just let you know. He's like I, I don't want to be one of those wrestlers that goes to autograph signings and lives on their name and comes back when they're too old and all this stuff and again this was 2016 <clears throat> well in 2018 he came back and wrestled for Dynasty Pro Wrestling in Northeast uh, or in northern, upstate New York I think it's around Syracuse uh, around Buffalo area um, I know yeah. there's a guy that wrestled named Ben Hameen that wrestles there and some guy named Papadon that wrestles there well anyway this guy uh, Mark Capani wrestled as um, Hassan there three times last year actually won their title their heavyweight title and then said he was done with it and then I watched an interview with him from this year and he was at an autograph signing <laughs> as a sign so 3 years ago he wasn't going to be the guy that held on to the past and did signings and wrestled and now 3 years later I guess that itch just didn't go away he yeah. couldn't scratch it you know so but um it's funny but in real life he is a um he is a vice principal of a high school he was a uh, sociology and social studies teacher for a while, and now he's a vice principal. So good on him for making a career out of himself, you know, a real career. Um, but, I, yeah, that's just a little update for you, guys. So, How about that,
0: man? You can't get it out of your blood, I guess.
2: I guess not, man. It was just really funny listening to that interview from 2016 and then watching some ones from recently and one even from this year where he's at an autograph signing, at a table being interviewed by a guy. <laughs> just like you said, you wouldn't do that, but yeah anyway do you, can you imagine
0: that guy being your high school principal and just how much that dirt was some you of the Facebook him, yeah
2: some of the Facebook or not the Facebook the YouTube comments were like this is my principal I was, I was like it was kind of funny so um, yeah I mean you could go back and be like uh, you can't tell me what to do and say like you're a bad <laughs> guy you're a bad guy. You're trying to kill a guy with a piano wires. So, oh, you just start singing yeah. his
0: theme music to him. or playing <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the morning announcements or something.
2: <laughs> he should come on in character. <laughs> 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 oh. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to sh- kind of share that because we will not ever talk about him again. So That's imagine,
0: imagine being a student and you get called to the principal's office and he's got his uh, sympathizers there standing behind him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this guy just like just pulling, pulling the, the piano wires.
1: Wire. <laughs>
0: So he's TV like, little money. Johnny,
2: you go pick your wire. like, like <laughs> Pick your switch. Okay. <laughs> you go pick your wire. We'll choke you with it. <laughs> so, you know, he started teaching the same year I did, actually, in 2011. So, you know, he stuck with it. I moved on to other things, but he's still doing it. So, good for him. But he did, he did say once in one of those interviews, he said, I'm not going to lie, I miss it. This was the one before he came back to wrestling. He said, I'm not yeah, going to lie, sure. I miss it, but I don't want to live in the past and be that guy. But now I guess he's... Living in the past, <laughs> but I tell you what, man, he did seem like a really down to earth guy. He had his head on straight, you know, about the whole thing. I mean, he's like, you know, how are you gonna come back from that, you know? Yeah, how do, like, and I, I don't know what to do. But can you imagine if that was you and me? Like, as much as we love wrestling, we got a chance on the big stage, and then like, we were served this, you know, and it happened, and like we just had to write it off like that would suck
0: absolutely <laughs> like, man I, I feel terrible for the guy himself yeah I don't feel bad for the wwe no because they clearly just Poor made a huge <laughs> huge mistake it goes down as one of the biggest mistakes in, in company history man mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i think it's a good cautionary tale as they're about to move to the fox television network here next yeah. week um maybe you could say the biggest moment in company history that they're going to be on broadcast television, live every single week. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge moment, and boy, if, I, I, it's obviously a much different business and a much different company than they were 15 years ago. But in a sense, they're not all that different, and right. they still did Gender <laughs> Mahal a couple of years ago, which was not on this same level, but still had a lot of elements to this character, a lot of similar things. And Rusev a few years ago when he was showing pictures Mm of Vladimir Putin on the Titantron Mm -hmm. and and doing very, very controversial stuff, that stuff ain't going to fly on broadcast television. (laughs) And, you know, this could easily end up being a disaster for them coming up on Fox if they're not careful. Like, they could get... Fox will kick them off in a heartbeat, man, and get something else to put on their Friday nights if they try to push the boundaries a little too much. So they just, they need to remember moments like this and these types of storylines and and what not to do, how not to do controversial stuff because, um... (laughs) <laughs> if I, I, I hate to be cynical, but I just feel like this whole partnership with Fox is going to end poorly with something <laughs> like this either being dug up and used against them or, or them doing something stupid like this again in the future.
2: I hope not. Here's to hoping not, but we'll see.
0: I hope not, yeah.
2: Maybe sure. they'll bring Max Schools out in the first episode.
0: Right. <laughs> Lucha House Party comes riding out in jumpsuits oh, on tractors.
2: No. Oh, no. Oh no! Lucha yeah, lawn just, patrol. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll keep all the like stereotypical characters over on RAW on the USA Network, sure. and they'll just put the that'll do it. Whatever. Who knows? We'll see. But that is a big moment in in the uh, company history. Just like just like this was uh, for all the wrong reasons. So, and poor Undertaker got caught in the middle of it. I mean, he. That's
0: But you know what? Thing. He went yeah. through
2: with it. You know, it's a funny thing because yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, would you actually recommend this match? Good heavens, no! <laughs> Not a chance. Okay. Not <laughs> what you? No, I wouldn't. You know, it, it's it gets a lot of uh, a heat, and the crowd is into it, and sure. uh, it's fun to see Undertaker run wild. But
2: well, yeah, man. If you pull like a puppy out there and start kicking it, it'd get a lot of heat too. But like, maybe I want to watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any better way to describe it, man. <laughs> yeah there's no need to watch this let's move on from it and move on to SummerSlam next week to Randy Orton uh re- rekindling again. that feud yet again uh and we'll get to we'll get to talk about another uh, racist legend in WWE history next week man another uh man from Undertaker's past I can't wait to talk about <laughs> that return
3: <laughs> next week you got a big return coming oh next I'm week, pumped guys. for you that one man <laughs>
0: Uh, but before oh, yeah. we get there, we do want to hear your comments on this one. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback over at Talking Taker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love hearing from you guys, from people like Steve at uh, at WallSendRedico. I don't really know how to say his Twitter <laughs> name, it's a long one. But uh, he said, this was a slightly uncomfortable storyline. However, I thought it was <laughs> I understatement. <laughs> but he thought it was enjoyable, though. and It ended with that incredible last ride, which was one of Taker's best. Cool. And uh, I do can't argue with that, man. Hassan well, got way up there for it. Uh, great visual there. Uh, it's a sight to see there.
2: You want to write a character off TV. There's nobody better than Undertaker to do Or Big Absolutely. Show to do that with. You know, those two guys right there, they will write that character off for na, you. Na, na,
0: na. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hit us up with more feedback from there. And then, like we said, join us. Go ahead and watch SummerSlam 2005, the Undertaker's match on there as we keep rolling, rolling, rolling. On to the last ride. And uh, just another recommendation of something to watch, the WWE Untold series on the WWE Network. Just did an episode on the original Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels talking about the debut of Kane. And it's also just kind of about the origins of the Kane character. A lot of great Out of character interviews with Glenn Jacobs, Shawn Michaels, and then the Undertaker himself. It's about 30 minutes long, but it's well worth your time to go watch uh, one of the best things I've seen on the network in a long time. Mm
2: -hmm. Very, very good. You get to see Kane getting a little emotional talking about it. And we get some clips of Taker on the phone, I guess, or Skype, something. I don't know, but I don't know if it's new content, but. I'd imagine it was because the stuff with Sean and and uh, and Kane is so really cool stuff. And again, just he goes on to put over Mark Calloway, the guy that we've been talking about, the Undertaker character, but also Mark Calloway and just what he did for him. And I mean, it was a big risk being the Undertaker's brother, you know? Like it could have fallen flat on his face, like this angle we just talked about. <laughs> Thank God it didn't, and he made a career off the tail of the coattails of the Undertaker, basically. Yeah. So. You know, really cool.
0: I would love to see. They don't do a lot of DVDs anymore, but just give me like a six-hour DVD of Kane and Undertaker. Glenn Jacobs yes. and Mike Galloway just talking yes. talking about their ups and downs, talking yes. about different moments in their career. Just no host, just no. them talking to each other, man. I would kill for something like that. Oh,
2: man, I would love that, man. I would love that. Hey, them for three, them what, two, and...
0: We got a table right here. Undertaker,
2: yes. whenever you're ready,
0: come talk about it. Bring Glenn along. Bring the mayor along. Uh, let's do it, man. He, he can advertise his campaign, whatever he needs to do. Sure. Man, come on and join us.
2: Leave our piano wires at home that night. <laughs> Promise.
0: We will have it unedited for you. And, folks, if you want unedited podcasts out there, you can have it on Stitcher Premium. Go on over to stitcher.com slash premium and get access to thousands of podcasts, ad-free, exclusive podcasts uh, that you can only find on Stitcher Premium, and you can listen to our podcast there as well. Go to stitcher.com premium, enter the code TALKINGTAKER for a free month. That's Taker. All one word, no spaces on there. And you will get a free month of ad-free listening on Stitcher Premium. A lot of awesome stuff on there. You can support the show by entering our code. And you can support us by going over to tpublic.com and picking up a Talking Taker t-shirt or sticker or mug or any other kind of merch we've got available over there. And uh, put a couple dollars in our pocket and put a sweet t-shirt on your body right there. You can do that. <laughs>
2: Exactly, or <laughs> sticker on your body. You Put know? a sweet little sticker on your body. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Well, we appreciate all the love and support we've gotten, and uh, yeah, thanks again for all you new listeners. So we got some new people listening. They hit us up on uh, the Facebook and the Twitter and the uh, uh, YouTube. So check us out on all those platforms. And ladies and gentlemen, if you were there at the continent, continent, continent arena, I think it's HSBC Arena. Um, in Buffalo, New York, or as my son would say, Buffalone. He calls them Buffalones. So, Buffalo, New York. Uh, let us know why the heck did you buy a ticket to the Great American Bash after the fart there was last
3: last year's Great American Bash.
2: So, this, this poor pay-per-view just has like a stigma about it's it. Cursed. In yeah. WWE, <laughs> it's just terrible. But anyway, let us know what you thought. Uh, let us know your guys' thoughts on this angle again. So, and... Uh, do you remember watching it or you know what, in all seriousness, um, some of our uh, listeners from across the pond in England, what were your thoughts of this uh, airing uh, after the day of the bombing and stuff like that over there? So do you remember that? So anyway, let us know what you thought. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy.
3: Bush continued to step up the propaganda campaign against Saddam Hussein this week when the Coalition Air Force air-dropped 300,000 VHS cassettes of mutiny on the bounty on the Iraqi troops. We at Saturday Night Live have given a lot of thought to how we can contribute to the war effort. That's why tonight we introduce a new character, Iraqi Pete, the scapegoat who by embodying all the worst stereotypes of the Arab people can become the focus of our war frenzy and help kick this war in the Gulf thing into overdrive. So please welcome, or should I say please jeer, Iraqi Pete. What? What? Don't you like me? Just because I
1: woke up this morning and spit on your flag, does that offend you? Well, that's too bad. (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy, <are> you like? Iraqi feet can't handle it. Hey, looky what I got. A nice Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> the dream friend of every boy and girl in America. Ooh, the head comes off so easily! It's so weak and defenseless, just like you, Americans. I must go and I will be back, but for now I'll leave you with this. Go to hell! <laughs> Bye-bye! <laughs>
3: Once again, we feel it is important to point out that Iraqi Pete does not represent every or even most Iraqis who are nothing like Iraqi Pete. He is a stereotype written by people who, although patriotic, have practically no understanding of people or of other cultures.